All right, Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to uh, launch from. And then uh, we're going to, uh, when you're there, um, sword drill, raise your hand. No, um, yeah. Ain't that what you do? You raise your hand when you're there? So, all right, so uh, let, uh, let us pray, and uh, then we'll get started. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we do thank you. Uh, God, just being able to, to come in and worship in your, in your house uh, with your people uh, and, and opening your word. God, as we have opened this here in front of us, your, your word, uh, the, the holy scriptures, uh, we know that you communicate to us through, through them. So God, today we ask that you can, uh, or you will, um, just, just speak to our hearts. Uh, Lord, as we talk about uh, different things that we're, we're uh, um, dealing with and what we want to accomplish here in your church, God, with this, this culture, um, we ask that we can uh, just be drawing truths from your, from your word, from, from the, 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 the scriptures that you have given us to reveal yourself to us. So God, just speak uh, uh, amongst us today. Uh, let our hearts be softened and hear what it is you have to say, and then let our feet be ready for action. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so you're in uh, Philippians chapter 2. What I, want to, uh, what I want to do is, in Philippians chapter 2, I just want to read uh, verses uh, 3, 4, and 5, because uh, this is going to help set um, the, our, our time together. We are in the um, Alelon series, uh, it, or the Creating Culture series. We're using the Alelon principle uh, that we've talked about. <clears throat> and, and the big idea that I want to communicate to, to you all today is I want you, I want us to understand that we have personal responsibility to the corporate outcome. And what I mean by that is we're talking about this um, Alelon principle and the one another's and how this is a reciprocating action and what, what the, how this is going to change our culture. What we cannot do is we cannot come into uh, this building, nor can we come into the presence of one another and think that, okay, I'm here, they, they've got to do it to me. You know, understand that we have to participate. You have responsibility. There's responsibility on both ends. And that's what I want us to, to talk about today. Um, in in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, 3, or in verse 3, it says this. Uh, Paul's speaking, obviously, to the church in Philippi, and he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Already, this is like, wait, he, he definitely did not live in America in 2019, right? Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He, he, he finishes that off by saying that, that this is, this is the mind in which we're to have. This is what some, some uh, 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 pastors and teachers, they, they say, this is what the mind of Christ looks like. This understanding that there is not to be any selfish ambition or conceit. We're, with humility, we're to count others more significant than ourselves. Now, it doesn't say that we're not to look to our own interests. It says not to look only to our own interests. And I think that that's where the, the, the uh, uh, understanding of the, the, this Alelon principle can really um, uh, uh, take root and, and be um, even fueled even more, is understanding that I, I'm not only looking to my, my own interests, but I want to look at your interests as well. Um, the, the, the first statement in your, your notes there to fill in is personal responsibility to the corporate outcome. We have responsibility to uh, participate 
so that the corporate outcome, what am I talking about the corporate outcome? It, it, the corporate outcome is the culture in which we are, are desiring to have, the intended culture that God wants for us. This place, the, 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 this people where people come in and they, they, they are loved and they are served and they are welcomed and they are encouraged. And as we're going to see today, there's going to be three more. We're going to talk about equip and pray and endure. We have to understand that, that we have to participate in this. If we don't participate... It's not going to happen. Now, when I say that, I don't want to be bashing anybody over the head. I just want to hopefully stir up inside of you like you are important. You're important. I talked to, I was talking to Jim just a little bit ago, and I told him I missed him. I missed you last week. I wasn't beating him over the head. I was honestly just telling him because I did. I look at this, and when I look out over the crowd and I see that people aren't here, I don't get... I don't get upset, like, man, I can't believe they're not in church. No, there's an honest, genuine, like, I miss them. I, I miss seeing your face. I miss hearing you. Maybe you have a goofy laugh or, I don't know, you have some quirkiness about you. Everybody's got some uniqueness, specialness, right? But, but there is an understanding that I, I know me, I miss when people aren't here. I hate, I hate uh, making that phone call or that text message or even that, that conversation where I say, hey, I miss you, and then the, the guilt just overcomes the individual. I don't want people to feel guilty. I want people to know that they're missed. I noticed that you weren't here, and I think that, that that's important when we, we, we uh, are looking at this uh, responsibility. It's like when we come together, God has us here for a reason. Why else? If you were to look around and look at this, this, this rabble, why else would he bring uh, people like us together unless he had something great in store? Like, m- most of us probably wouldn't hang out if it, if, it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Jesus. If we didn't have the, the, this focus and this understanding of who he is and wanting to come together as his local assembly to, uh, to respond in, in worship and in praise and in service to him, if we didn't have that, we probably would not be meeting one another. Unless it was Roy and he was pulling you over while you were speeding down State Street or something like that, right? Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen anybody like that yet. I'm, I'm waiting, though. I'm waiting for, for uh, Roy to pull. No, I better not say this because it's going to be me. Uh, <laughs> going, going down the road, and, and then I see, I see Bobby with his hands spread on the, the front of the cop car. <laughs> and, and Roy's just back here just giggling. <laughs> Don't tase me, man. Um, <laughs> But understand that we have a responsibility uh, that when we come, come together that, that we're contributing to the outcome of, of, of the, 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 the corporate gathering. It's important. It's important for us. Um, so with that, 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 that kind of understanding, remember last week I talked about that that's, this is part of the, like a, a pie crust this is the crust part where it, this is part of the foundation. So when we put the fillings of the, um, uh, the Alelon principle, these one another's in there, there's something to hold them. Understand that like, if we have this, 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 this clear uh, um, responsibility and the, the clarity of a responsibility, when we learn more about the Alelons, it's not, um, we, I would hope, that we wouldn't have the tendency to just think that it was all, okay, I'm going to just suck it in and just absorb it. That I have to understand that I have this responsibility to also participate in it. Remember, Alelon, the pronoun which marks reciprocation. That back and forth, back and forth, back and forth action. So, uh, with that, let, let's turn to uh, Romans chapter 15. Uh, today we're going to look at equip, like I said, pray, and endure. Those are the three that we're going to, to look, out, look at. And then next week, 
uh, we're just going to have one, and we're going to wrap up the, uh, the, the series next week. Uh, and then the following week, uh, Kurt's going to be preaching. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, in, in uh, Romans chapter uh, 15... Romans chapter 15, verse 14. This is where we're going to uh, um, we're going to be for a minute because I want us to, to, to understand what this equip one another is. When we come together, and this is a, an important piece here, um, when we come together as, as the gathering, as God's people, we don't just come together so we can say we've done it. We've come together for a purpose. And the purpose, uh, one of the purposes that we come together is so we can equip one another. And here in Romans chapter 15, it says this, Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. That, that, that word instruct, that's where I, I, I've taken that and actually it, what it means is to equip. So we are to equip one another. But I love what Paul says here because he, he, he's talking to this church that um, I had a little bit of an issue going on in the church. The, the little bit of an issue was there was some controversy between the, the, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. And they didn't know how to, to act uh, amongst one another all the time. Because what you had is you had the emperor who kicked all of the Jews out of Rome. And when they kicked all of the Jews out of Rome, the, Gentile, the Gentiles uh, like took over the church. Not in like a hostile takeover, but there were only Gentiles there to practice together. And then when the, Jew, the, the Jewish people were able to come back into Rome... They're, they're coming back into the, the, the church, and they're like, I, 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 they're doing this. They don't understand the, 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 the history, all the history behind what is taught or what, what they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to be following Christ and how the, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies and all of this. They didn't understand it, so there's a little bit of a tension going on here. And Paul writes to, to, to address that. And here towards the end of the letter, after he's addressed a, a, a few different things, he says this statement about how he's satisfied about, about them. He says, I myself am satisfied about you. And, and that word satisfied, that's that word where we get convinced or persuaded. I'm, I'm persuaded about you. What is he persuaded about? Even amidst, amidst the, the, the struggle, and because deep down they were, for the most part, they were wanting to do the right thing, but they just didn't know how to do it. I think that we have a lot of that struggle even with inside of, um, I, I don't want to say that much inside of our church, but I see in other churches where you have like the older crowd and the younger crowd, and they don't know how to get along together. We have to understand that we've got to, we've got to work together, and we've got to, to, to be able to, to mesh, and we have to have that one mind that, that Paul was talking about in Philippians, that, that mind of Christ. If we can have that mind and we're looking at each other's interests more than we're looking at our own, when we have those who, who think a little bit different than we do, if we have it, we can, we can still welcome them in and we can, we can mesh together. We, we can differ on the minors. The majors, we're going to stand firm, but the minor things, and we can have, we can have a, what they call a liberty in them. But what Paul, as he says here, I, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers. That means my brothers and sisters. Um, he says uh, three things here that I think is important uh, for us to pick up on when we're thinking about equipping one another. Because he says that you yourselves are full of goodness. Knowing that there is struggle, knowing that there is stuff going on in the church, 
He still says you're full of goodness. What does he mean by goodness? If, if we look at that, that word, it's, it's the quality of moral excellence. So he knows that you're, you're good. Now, he's not talking about their, 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 their righteousness and all this other stuff. No, no, he, he's just talking about their, their moral excellence. But it, especially what, what he is talking about is that the quality is not stagnant. Their, their, their morals, their goodness, the way in which they're going about things is not stagnant. Now, and I think that that's important because it, it's actively working towards something. And that something that they're actively working towards is that unity. So, so if we look at this, and he says, you're full of goodness. He's like, I know that you're not where you need to be, but you're working to get where, where God wants you to be. And, and I think that, that that's important for us to, to look at that because when we're saying, okay, I want to be that. I know that, I know that I'm not the man that I used to be, but I'm still not the man that I need to be, Right? Uh, or, or woman, you know, it, it's understanding that, that we can uh, take and, and, and step by step be, um, be honest where we're at. And I think that that's an important fact here, is that we have to be honest. If we're not honest with where we're at, if we're not honest with ourselves, how do we expect to listen to God and Him change us? Just think about that for one second. Now, that doesn't mean, oh, man, you just got to vomit all of your dirty laundry out on somebody. Well, we're going to talk about confessing your sins in a second. But understand that it starts with honesty. If we're not honest with, with ourselves, then we're not going to be honest with anybody, including God. The biggest liar in your life is you. I, I, I know that for, is, is a fact for me. Because sometimes I, I believe these lies that, 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 that my flesh just starts to, to, to uh, bring to, to remembrance. And I, and I believe these lies, and I keep lying to myself. And when I lie to myself, I start believing myself. And when I start believing myself, wait a second, aren't we supposed to believe in ourselves? No. That's, that, that, that is a crazy myth that, that, that people ha, have spread throughout our, 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 our society. Believe in yourself, and you can be whatever you want to be. I want to be a pterodactyl. If I just believe hard enough, am I going to be able to be a pterodactyl? No, it's just not going to happen. So I'm not going to believe in myself. I want to believe in something better than me, someone bigger than me. So he says here that, um, that you're full of goodness, but he, then he says this, filled with all knowledge. What, what, what does he mean by filled with all knowledge? Here's what he means. He's saying that you know who Jesus is and what he has done. That's the, the, the fullness of knowledge in which you know so that you can grow. This doesn't mean that they, they, they are all theologians and they know all of the, the Scripture inside and out. He's saying that you, God has given you the truth in which you need to get to the next step. Same with, with everybody in here. Just understand that, like the equipping in which you have. You have what you need to get to the next step. If you come in here week after week after week, you are getting what you need to take that next step. The question is, what are you doing with it? What are we doing with that? And this is what Paul is saying. is like, you're filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. So you, it, it, it's this goodness, this full of goodness, this filled with all knowledge. So you're not where you're supposed to, or you're not where like perfect yet, but you're a work in progress. You know what to do. Guess what? You can help other people. You can help your brother. You can help your sister. You're able to instruct one another. I love it as we look at this and we unpack this even further, this able to instruct, this equip. This is actually what it, what it truly means is to admonish. 
What's that, what's that word? We, we don't use admonish really a lot, but, but, but um, if at all, has anybody used the word admonish uh, this week in a sentence? I have because I was, I was preparing for the message, right? But I, I do. I like the word admonish because the, the word admonish, it means to warn or counsel in the terms of one's behavior. So I like that because I think that this, this, this speaks into the, um, uh, the, the necessity to... We need to speak into the lives of our brothers and sisters that are not behaving correctly. Now that behavior is not what we think they should be, it's the behavior in which God says it should be, but we have to have the boldness and understanding that we can speak into this. Why? Because God says to. A lot of times, well, you know, that's just going to be uncomfortable. Well, heck yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. Man, no, no one likes, especially when you have someone close to you, no one, no one likes that, that little poke in the wound. They don't, they, don't, they don't like that. I mean, it's kind of like thinking about like a broken arm or something. If somebody has a broken arm, no one want, no, you don't want somebody to come up and touch it, especially if you've been, before you've been to the doctor, right? Well, what does the doctor do when you go there? They touch it a lot, right? And they set it. And then when it's set, what has to happen? It's got to heal. I, I think that it's a, a, this um, understanding of admonishing and being equipped is sometimes we need to, to have... What is in our lives set straight? And it might hurt. It needs to be set straight. When you have somebody to speak into our lives to set it straight, knowing that the reason that they're setting it straight is because they love you and, and, and they're there for you. But now knowing that as it's set straight, that it's going to take time to heal. I'm not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to. We're not going to be able to set something straight. And then, oh, it's all gone. All, all good. No, it's not, it's not when you were a kid and you fell and scraped your knee and you, your mama kissed it, all better. No, 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 no. It, it, it's something that it's set straight. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take time to heal. Again, that's why we need to be in community. That's why we need that, the, the one another's. As, as we're thinking about this and we're like, okay, I want to do that. I want to do better at that. And, uh, you know, I want to help one, uh, my, my brother, my sister. How, how do I do that? Well, I think that that kind of just transitions right into our next uh, one another. And that's pray. Pray for one another. How do I get to the place where I can be equipping? Start with prayer. That is not a, a, a lame Christian cliche. Oh, pray about it. No, there, there are some people that are lazy and scared. I'm not saying anybody here. You, this is all, you, you, you and the, the Holy Spirit duke it out. But when, when encountered with somebody that's like, I got this problem, you say, well, I'll pray about it. And then it's just like, I avoided that one. It's the Christian get out of this, this situation card. No, 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 no. That's not what prayer is supposed to be. The prayer in which, which um, is talked about in James chapter 5, that's what we're going to look at real quick. James chapter 5, verse 16 in particular but uh, the, the, the prayer that we have to have for one another is also with one another. Yes, we can pray for, but we need to pray with. And I think that that's one of those things that like, oh, I'm scared to. I don't want to pray out loud. It's, it's okay. It, no one, I, well, I shouldn't say no one, but I would, if someone, if, I should say it this way, if someone is grading or judging your prayer, God help them. 
Now, if you're the one that thinks they ha- you have to pray and you have to impress people, God help you. You know, I, I can't stand people who pray the, the, the food cold. Right? You got nice hot food in front of you and somebody's like, I'm going to pray. And then they, oh, I beseech thee, Father, and just go blah, blah, blah. And you're looking around and you're like, and my mashed potatoes aren't steaming anymore. Like, come on, just say, thank you, Lord, bless this food, bless this day, amen, let's eat. If you want a long prayer, how about at the end of the meal? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for everything that we just gorge ourselves and sin from gluttony. Forgive us of that. So, speaking of that, I think we're going to go out to a buffet afterwards, right? <laughs> somebody, somebody, the, the Dicks were telling us about Mount Union has a buffet, like a, a, at the college, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's where we're going today. Anybody wants to? T- I'm not paying. <laughs> not paying. I got enough miles to feed already. If you want to pay for us, that's fine. But no, if you want to go? Let's go. Um, but back to, back to what we're talking about. James chapter 5. I'll pray for you though, right? James chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in, or as it is working. I still like the, the King James, whether it's the, the effectual prayer, or the, what is it, the, the fervent prayer, or the fervent effectual prayer, or the effectual, what is it, Stephanie? Yeah, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, right? That's one I, I, I like, but still. Uh, understand that when James is saying this, that we're to confess our sins to one another, he just went on the, the, this explanation of if you're suffering, uh, you need to, uh, to pray. If you're cheerful, you need to praise. If anyone is sick, let him call the elders. And, you know, and understanding that there, there is a situation, there are situations that are going on. And, and, and obviously James isn't expounding on all of the situations. But he says, in, even in verse 15, that the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, so, so, so understand that the context here is James is saying, like, when you're in that situation, now, is this a physical sickness? You know, that is debatable. I, I mean, and, and, and each side of the argument it can, can support it's physical. No, 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 no. this is just spiritual. You know, I'm not going to have that argument because I, I say yes. It, it's yes. It could, be, it could be physical, but it also could be spiritual. But I think that what we can, even if it is physical, but what, what, what um, it is important to grab hold of here is the focus in which James is, is giving us. Because he says, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. So he's saying, even, even if it is physical, he says, confess your sins to one another. Deal with the soul first. And, and I, I think that that's the, the, important, uh, the important lesson that we, we need to look at here is when we're praying for one another, yes, pray, 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 pray that healing happens. To- totally. But understand it's the healing of the soul that really, truly matters. Not saying the other, one's do- the other one doesn't, but look, he says, confess your sins to one another. What does it mean to confess your sins? To admit something, to uh, ad- admit a punishable sin in your life. I-, I put here in my notes, when you're wrong, right? Well, because what happens is you try to justify it. 
When I'm saying you, yeah, I have a coffee cup in my, my office that says, yes, I'm the pastor, and no, the sermon wasn't aimed at you. But this is. When you're wrong, confess your sins. Quit living in them. Because there's, there's no life in that. Confess it. Yeah, well, you know what? Somebody's going to say so, such and such, and it's going to be hard. And uh, Yeah, right. You're, you're probably right. You might make some people mad. I don't, I don't know. Because they might find out that you're a liar or a cheater or something. But if you don't confess your sins, you're going to be living in that darkness for the rest of your life. Confess. Let's pull the bandaid out. Let's set the bone. If it's broken, let's set the bone in place so that it can heal. Let's confess your sins to one another. Now, when, when this happens, and I've said, I, I said this in the past, I think last time I, I talked about this, this passage. Recipient of this, when someone come and, comes and, and, and confesses their sins to you, if you're, if you're the one that they're confessing to, don't be the judge. It is not up to you to be the judge to condemn them for their sin. How about you just be the sounding board and you say, okay, I, I'm, not, I'm not judging this. This is not my place to judge. I know what, here, let's go to the scripture. It says it right here. This is what we need to do. Instead of getting in their face and, and, and wanting to, to, to say, I can't, I, I, how dare you? How, how, I can't believe this. How about we get beside them and say, hey, yeah, you, yeah you, you're an idiot. You're wrong. But guess what? We're, we're in this together. It, it's kind of like a marriage. You know, I, I've made one, maybe two, one, two mistakes in, in our time together, right? today in the last few minutes, right? but, but understanding that, 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 that when I do, if I do confess, Shannon's going to come right alongside of me, even though she, she might be muttering under her breath, you're such an idiot. Probably won't be under her breath, it'll be out loud. You're, you're an idiot, right? And you know what? Yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. I mean, but same thing, she would say the same thing. It's reciprocal. But, but understanding that is when we confess that, says, let's just not leave it at confessing. How about when we confess, let's pray with, and then commit to pray for one another. Because I, I believe that this soul care, because that's what, we're, what, what, what is really at, at stake here, is the, the, the care of our soul. If you don't think that that's true, just go to, you I mean, don't now, but read Matthew 11, 28, 29, 30, where, where Jesus says, I'll give you rest for your what? Your soul Understand the soul care is what is important here. And this soul care, it's caring for the health of another's soul. Not just their physical. It's caring for their soul. If they are contaminating their soul, it's saying something. Because if we don't, we're wrong. As we look at this, I think that it is, uh, it's all about Attitude. Not only the attitude of the individual that's confessing, but the attitude of the recipient, because it, it is a, a back and forth, but the right attitude one another, what it does is it fosters the caring for one another. Just think about that for a second. The right attitude towards one another is going to foster the caring for one another. If somebody is just a, a, a big fat jerk all the time and just pushes people away and then has the audacity to say, well, no one wants to hang out with me. No one wants to help me. Yeah, because you're a jerk. Of course, I don't want to pet a dog that's going to bite me, right? 
I mean, just, just think about this. So, so understand that we have to have the right attitude. I'm not saying be even fake. I'm saying let God change your heart so you can be the one or amongst the ones that people want to come to and they want to talk to you. They want to see, okay, I, I need help. They, they see that that attitude about you is something that is different, is something that goes back to what we talked in Philippians chapter 2, that it's like you're not just concerned about yourself, you're concerned about others. Now, don't, if you're sitting here, you're thinking about, yeah, I know this. You know, my wife or my husband or my friend or whatever, all they do is they think about themselves. Here's the deal. Again, don't be the judge. How are you doing with it? Like I tell Gabe, this is the thing all, all the time. I tell Gabe, Gabe, you cannot control the response of other people. All you can do is you can control how you respond or how you react to a situation. Too many times what we try to do is we try to, we try to fix that person in our life. Well, God put me in, 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 in his life or in her life to, to fix her. I, you're not the fixer. You can't do it. I don't care what the dude on Waterboy says. Right? He's wrong. You can't do it. The only one who can fix the broken is Jesus. Some of the only ones that you're going to be able to, to, to uh, be the, 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 you're going to be able to be the part of the tool is like just praying for them. Pray for the broken. Pray that God is going to do a work in them that you're going to see the healing. Because I believe this. Prayer produces care. If we're really going to care for the souls of one another, how can we care for someone that we're not praying for? And then, how about this? If you're mad at someone, and we'll hopefully get there, maybe, in a minute. If you're mad at someone and you need to address them, how about you start with praying for them? It's really hard. I mean, and I'm saying pray for them. I'm not saying the imprecatory prayers where, where, where God smite them. And, or, and I'm not saying pray that, that, God, that God, okay, God, you need, to, you need to change my husband. God, you need to change my wife, and they need to do this. You need to do Don't tell God how to change. Don't tell God how to do his work. Pray, God, will you work in, the, in them? And also, God, will you work in me? Because there's a reason that I'm here. There's a reason that this individual is in my life. So, so don't think that only the work is on the outside. Not, uh, 90% of that work needs to be done on the inside. Prayer produces care. And when we care for one another, we want to endure with one another. What do I mean by enduring with one another? Turn to Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, I, I believe that we see that this picture here of what it means to endure with one another. Now, uh, enduring with one another can have a twofold meaning. meaning. It, it, it can mean putting up with, right? Because there are going to be those jerks. And there are going to be, some of them are going to be Christians. There are such things as Christian jerks. They're going to be in heaven. And they won't be jerky in heaven because they'll have this sanctified everything. But now maybe they're just jerks, but whatever. So, so there's going to be times in which you are going to have to put up with some crazies. But what I really want to focus on is that enduring with. How, how can I come alongside? How can I help? How can I bear one another's burden? That's what it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, that we're to bear one another's burden. That's the same type of mindset that we have and same type of focus here in Colossians chapter 3. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 2. As you're going to see, in the, we're going to look at 2 through 17 in the next about 10 minutes. So in, in, as you see here in verses 12, uh, Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17, as we see here in verses 12 through 17, what we're going to see is really a compilation of equipping, praying, and enduring the one another's. Understanding that, that this um, enduring with, this is that bearing, bearing with one another, Bearing one another's burden, even when that thing is unpleasant. So bearing means to endure something that is unpleasant or difficult, whether on one's own behalf or on the behalf of someone else. Notice it says something that is unpleasant or difficult. There is responsibility in your life to bear your own load. But if there are things that are above and beyond that are difficult... There, that, that's the calling that we are to, to come alongside of one another. Now, if you're just going to be the one that's going to be lazy, um, don't get upset when people don't want to help. I, I, I don't know how else to say that. I mean, because there's nothing worse than, than enabling a lazy person. That's not what this bearing is. This is bearing someone who's, man, they're putting forth the effort. They're doing everything they can do. They're doing spudazo, right? Do your best. They're doing their best, but their best just isn't cutting it. It's that, okay, I'm, I'm to the end of my line. I, I can't do anything else. I, I need help. That's what the bearing is. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on then. I love that. Because this is part of the equipping. You have to equip yourself to help equip others. Put on then. It means to clothe. Right? It's like, put on your clothes. It, wrap yourself in something with a covering. So put on then. Who? Who's supposed to put on then? As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, who's he talking to? Me. You. Believers in Christ. As God's chosen ones. As God's children. He's talking to you. So he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is what, what, what are we supposed to put on, right? How, how are we supposed to endure with one another? It says here, we're supposed to put on compassionate hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, now, now I know that that's part of the, the, the Bible you want to cut out. Compassionate hearts. <laughs> if, if, I mean, if some of you, I know some of you are, are a little bit like me. This is the hard part. The compassionate heart. But it doesn't stop with that. Kindness. These words are actually hard to say. Even in English. Humility, meekness, patience. I don't know if I could do it. Oh, God, I don't, I mean, that's a lot. You're asking a lot, God. Well, he says, put on then. He doesn't give you the, the, the option. So think about this. If he, if he says to do it, are we able to do that? Absolutely. If God tells us to do something, he, he equips us to do that. Well, I don't have that. Okay, because you're, you're trying with you. You're not letting God work through you. You're forcing you. Your flesh is in control, and you're not you're being led by the Spirit of God. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death the, that, that, those sins in your life. Well, God's not working, and all these things are happening. Okay, have you confessed? Have you made right what you are, are doing wrong in your life? 
Well, no. Well, then how in the world are you asking God to bless it? How can you ask God to bless something that is a mess? And the reason that it's a mess is because you're so stubborn that you don't want to let go of that sin, but it feels so good, or whatever it may be. But hey, God, you don't understand. No, I guess he doesn't. He didn't endure all the sin of the world on the cross, right? Oh, wait a second, he did. He did. Understanding that if you're like, I, I, I'm doing everything, I can't, just, I can't do it. It's because you're trying to do it under your own power. Stop it, right? Stop. You, you've heard me say this before. Quit trying to be like Jesus and let Jesus be Jesus in you. He's a whole lot better at being Jesus than you. I don't know if I could do that because I'm not in control then. Exactly. How has your control worked? Is it working out for you? Sometimes. <laughs> what about all the rest? What about all, all the, those symptoms and everything that, that, that is birthed from it? And I, I, I don't say that as, as if I'm like saying I'm yelling or talking down. I, I know that because I had to be freed from that. Do I still, does my flesh still want to, to, to fester up sometimes? You better believe it, but I put to death the flesh. I've been crucified with Christ. I keep, that, that's, that's a, that when, I, when I'm starting to act out in the flesh, it's like, no, 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 uh, wait a second. Put the, the flesh to death. The, the flesh wants to just go, blah! Right? No, the spirit, when, the, when you put that to death and the spirit takes over, that's where peace is. Y'all want peace. I know you do. And I'm not saying a piece of pie, which would be awesome. I hope there's pie at the buffet. But that's not the peace that I'm talking about. I'm talking the peace that surpasses all understanding. So when we look at this and it says to put on these things, man, i got to work at this. Okay, your working is putting you to death and letting Christ just work in you to have that compassionate heart. People will see that. And you don't have to put it on Facebook when it happens, please, or Twitter or Instagram or any of that. Man, let, let the interactions with people see that, oh, man, you're changed. God's working. Verse 13, bearing with one another. That's where we get this, this enduring. Bearing with one another. And <laughs> if one has a complaint against another, holy goodness. What does it say? It's the F word. Forgiving each other. I can't forgive them. You don't know what they did to me. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Do you know what you've done to God? <laughs> if you really truly understand the, 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 the magnitude of sin and, and understand how, how it fractured the whole world and how, how its impact to this day is just devastating. And, and the, it's devastating to the relationship with God. And if you, if you really, truly understand that, and then you understand that God forgave you for that by you accepting His Son and what, what Christ did on the cross. If you truly understand that, that's what needs to run through my mind. When Shannon makes me mad and she doesn't, I use this, get me the ice cream. Although now Haley drives, so she goes and gets the ice cream. It's awesome. Um, but if I'm mad at her, I mean, over something stupid like that, because what, what happens is that those, those little things just snowball into bigger things and bigger things and bigger things. And you don't forgive over the stupidest little thing. Well, you left your towel on the floor after you got out of the shower. Whatever it may be. You let that little thing fester and fester and fester. Man, it gets out of control. 
And when it gets out of control, you're like, man, my life's out of control. Why? What, what, what was the cause of all this? It was because there was a moment that you didn't forgive. Because you're better than God at that moment. No one in here would want to say that, right? I'm not better than God. Then why can't you forgive? Now, that doesn't mean the pain goes away. There's no such thing. People say, well, we forgive and forget. There is no such thing as forgetting. Only God can do that because He's God. When we forgive, yeah, there's going to be that pain. That, you know what? But there's going to be healing that needs to take place. Nonetheless, we, we I, you, have to forgive. Let me go on. Verse 14, and above all these, put on love. Why? Why do we have to love? You're telling me to forgive and, you know, and endure with somebody that's just driving me nuts. Put on love. Why? It binds everything, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It's love that binds us together. Without love, we're not bound together. We're bound to nothing. Here it goes on to say, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called. Again, brother, sister, believer in Christ here. You were called to this. You were called to peace. I ain't got peace. Why, do, why don't you have peace? It's because you're not letting Christ rule your heart. Why well, do on, I come to church? Okay, that, that's on Sunday. There's seven days a week. Well, I, I just, but you don't, I, I, I'm not judging. I'm just saying this is what it says. Let Christ rule your heart. You want to be different? You want to be used by God? Let Christ rule your heart. Verse 16. And I think this is... How how do I let Christ rule my heart? Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in, in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving. How are you going to let Christ rule in your heart? You're letting the Word of God in. You're reading the Word of God. You're hearing the teaching of the Word of God. And that is what you, 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 you're, you're not only hearing it, so you're not only getting the knowledge, you're, you're believing it, but then you're trusting it. You're taking that step. You're letting the, 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 the peace of Christ rule. You're letting the Word of, of Christ just dwell inside you. And then he, he finishes this, this, this paragraph off with something that's kind of like the, the general statement that Paul gives for, for all of us. Whatever you do, in word or deed. So whatever you talk, this is a lot of you, however you talk or whatever you do, that's that deed, your actions, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that it isn't difficult. It is difficult at times. What I'm saying, though, is that we have what we need God has given us what we need to do what He says. You've got to trust Him for that. The question is, are, are you going to trust Him for that? If when we're, when we're talking about this equipment and, and praying and, and uh, enduring here, are you going to trust that God is going to give you what you need to do that? Or are you just going to go out of here today and like, whew, ah, you know what I got from today? He's going to a buffet. I want to go there. No, the buffet which we need to eat from is the Word of God. He's given us this huge meal here to feed off of. Now, I'm not saying like I'm going to do it at the buffet and pick and choose, but from the Word of God, what we need to do is we need to just take it all in. And we need to look at passages like we just talked about today. That Those are some of those times you read the Bible and you're like, I don't like that. No, I get it. There's some things in the Bible I don't like either. 
Just because I don't like them doesn't make them any less true. As we, as we think about that, as we just kind of reflect on that, just let, all right, God, how, how am I going to do this? How are you going to do this through me? And think back to where we started. That responsibility. That personal responsibility to act upon these things that we just learned. Why? Because they have a portion or, or they, have, they have a contribution to the outcome of the gathering. 